start to spread it podcast. Welcome to the Celtic Threader Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Coming up on the show, the Lakers' narrow defeat of the Celtics in LA. We're a little late on that one, and a lot has already been said, but we, we have to talk about it, so we will. Plus, the very exciting, very enjoyable, and now very mainstream rise of Jason Tatum into an unknown tier of stardom. Plus, some cool stuff from Celtics Reddit, and a look at the upcoming schedule. Joining us for all of that and more, our two co-hosts, one of whom is Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives. Jackson, how's it going, man? Good, Ben. G'day. Happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, likewise. And of course, <laughs> uh, from across the Tasman there in New Zealand, it is Joe, a.k.a. Nose Grows McFly. Joe, what's up? What's up? Is uh, It's tax season um, and I need to deliver. <laughs> I need to deliver like Tatum. I was going to say wrong podcast, the uh, the tax podcast we're recording right after this in <laughs> yeah. Studio B. Just, is there a player with a nickname, the tax Anyone, do- anyone want to talk about my filing stats? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Interesting NBA parallels, if you listen long enough. Uh, let's get into this, let's just start with this infuriating loss to the Lakers. The Celtics go down 112 to 114 in LA after a, a final minute you could say, dominated by the referees. Favorite moments from the game, guys? I think that's probably a good place to start. Did you have a favorite moment or or 10 from this one? Heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps. But probably the two that stand out in my mind was, I think it was midway through the second quarter when Tatum got switched onto Alex Caruso. He hit a few buckets by this stage and then just did this like between the legs a few times, spin straight into Dwight Howard off the glass. And at that point, I just felt like he would... I knew that was the point he was going to get going. And it was just damn exciting. And so it's so fun to watch from there. But like probably the, the, the play that got me out of my seat the most watching it was um, the Jalen Brown three to put us up two, like with about a minute 20 remaining. Like I was just making so much noise. It was an early game too. So it was probably waking up my neighbors and whatnot. But um, <laughs> so many other memories and things come from that game. But it's uh, disappointing to lose. But I, I remember those two moments in particular. Um, for me, it's more a take of like, we're right there, I, I think. Um, with, with that team, um and um i guess for, for me like we've fared pretty well against uh against the top teams lately and this has sort of served to underscore that um that was probably my my main takeaway i wasn't bitterly disappointed i think we were a Hay- haywood's layup goes in i think we win that game actually pretty comfortably it just changed the whole complexion of it um and he'd, he'd yeah. make that i expect mm. him to make that eight times out of ten um Maybe seven times out of ten. I don't know, but it, it was unusual. It was unusual. <laughs> it's got a bad track record this, this year. Downgraded the seven out of ten now. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know how you avoid bitter disappointment based on that moment alone. I mean that uh, it's hard to not focus on that after that well, game because it's not final. For me. And... It's not. It's not like it's just. It's just part of the arc of the story. It's not. You know. It's just a chapter. It's not. It's not the end of the book. That's why. Like it would be mm. very disappointing to end a season like that, right? But sure. as it is, it's just. Oh man, ah, I was really, I really wish we had that, but, um, but for me, I, I, I sort of look at it as a stepping stone. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Joe, you mentioned like prior to the game in our in our very coveted group chat, the build around <laughs> yeah. Marcus Smart Society, that and you're all not, not invited. Not 
That's right. It's <laughs> the transcripts <laughs> one day will sell for millions. So many great takes. <laughs> you mentioned on, on said group chat that we might not miss Kemba Walker so much in this game because of how much he's struggled against size uh, so far this season. Like we've seen it against teams like uh, the Clippers and, and the Sixers and probably even the Lakers, at least early in the last game before we blew them out. Um, did you still feel that way? This is to both of you at the end of that game. Good question. Because the, to, to add to that, I felt like once they started trapping and doubling Tatum, yes, we've got this four or five leaf clover, but Kemba is the shot maker out of all of those guys not named Jason Tatum. And it really felt like we could have used him and his shot making abilities and to take advantage of all the attention that Jason Tatum was getting. So... Did that, did that yeah. skew your, your view on yeah, that? Yeah, no, good question. Yeah. I mean, it was quite exhilarating watching Tatum just cook Davis. Like, that was so oh, yeah. much fun. Mm. But Of all the players to cook as Of well. all the players to Sorry, cook. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. So, I guess I found myself, like, after a while being like, oh, our, our offense is kind of, like, we've kind of abandoned our principles. And if nothing else, having Kimber out there would have at least possibly helped us to sort of maintain those principles um offensively like there just was not a lot of movement um and i was a bit disappointed in that so i think one of my other comments is i was happy with the ticker shown during the game good ticker execution just a bit lacking it just sort of felt we felt a little bit out of rhythm and just like we're trying to scratch together points down the stretch a little bit um and i think kimber he might have missed the shots you know but i just feel like our we would have played a little bit more structured with him there. Um, a lot of the things that he does are really clean, you know, like off that drag screen and transition, you know, hitting him for three. Yeah. Um, so sure. maybe, yeah, I'd, I'd count that, but I do feel real good about our team when it's like Smart, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and Williams or Tice. Like I just feel really mm-hmm. good about that team defensively. So um, hard to say, man. I Like a... I think probably though. I think we did miss him offensively. Um, just for nothing else, as as a sort of a north star, you know, for for the team and 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 getting us into what we what we normally get into. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way, and particularly just also in the in the sense that it, you inadvertently you insert him into the starting lineup. That means smart drops to the bench. That means there's more bench yeah. points, you know, in in that respect too. Because we got murdered there. Brad want to make it had it had it. Oh not, my gosh, he wet game. the bed, man. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there, there, there was <laughs> to have an. Ex- to have an, a point, an all-star point guard available in in that spot, at least above him in the hierarchy, um, would have helped a, a great deal, particularly in the fourth quarter. Like, I mean, we've seen him perform so many times this season. He'd start out like, you know, one for eight and then go like five of his next seven shots for, like with three threes. So I've, I have no doubt like when they started doubling Tatum, if Kemba was the option there, it would have opened things up and I think it would have been a different result. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. I didn't feel, I never once felt like we were getting blown away or like I didn't think that this team couldn't bring it and they did. Um, and I, even against the Sixers, I think like at the start of the month, like I, I think this thought the same thing. Like maybe this will be okay without Kemba Walker because he struggles with the size and we blew them out. And I think if we had managed to get a big lead against the Lakers, it wouldn't have mattered so much. But um, alas, you know, they are a, a good team, you have to admit. And um, yeah, they just they just got away in the end. And I think Kemba probably would have corrected that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, the actual result of the game um, it could have just gone either way. Like, it just really just could have, you know? Um, so I, it's, there's not too much to read into it, but I think, yeah, we would have qualitatively looked different. Yeah. 
Totally. And so uh, there's been a lot of talk during and then right after the game and really up until today even uh, with regards to the refereeing, particularly late in the game, but obviously earlier, um, the Romeo Langford goaltending call uh, comes to mind. But the the late game situation, there was one where I, I believe Jalen Brown was called on an out-of-bounds play and even live, it didn't look that out-of-bounds. And of course, the replay revealed mm-hmm. that he wasn't even close by by you know those those fine and precise NBA standards and then there's the ball quite clearly coming off Anthony Davis's pinky quite clearly uh, late in the game <laughs> quite clearly well quite clearly with the benefit of of replay which everyone had the benefit of including the referees and the, the many people um, who are working remotely there in, in Secaucus or wherever it is but my, my question to you guys is uh, does it matter like does it matter in this game and was it was it close enough, um, or does it mean anything going forward for either team that the refereeing sort of um, had such a, a huge impact on things down the stretch? Well, of course it matters because it's so obviously broken and flawed. So, like, that is incredibly frustrating and that can, you know, potentially turn seasons. I mean, thankfully it didn't this time. It's just a, it, it's a, it's a heartbreaking regular season loss. Um, but if that happens in the playoffs or the finals, then it's going to be, you know, completely un- un- unacceptable. And I mean, shit, there have been some absolute howls. The, the, the sad thing is I'm not surprised by it anymore. Like, it, it's, it's an issue and it needs to be sorted out. But you just, I just live with it these days because you get as many as you get or you get against you I should say and it's it, sometimes you just all you can do is laugh and like that that goal 10 against Langford like I was so ridiculous but I'm not even mad about it by the end of the game because it was just you know I it just you you have to live with those things these days it's the reality of the officiating yeah I mean I, I I'm generally pro pro ref like do any of you guys ref any social league games or anything like that no no Freaking sucks no, I couldn't, man couldn't take the heat crap job <laughs> And, yeah, and, sure. and NBA players whinge and moan and whinge and moan and uh, about quite subjective calls and pretend as though they're obvious. Caveat in place then, all right? That, with that caveat uh-huh. now firmly in place, the <laughs> arrogance of some referees. Like, yes. It drives me up the wall. Like that, 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 um, that goaltending call... Uh, I mean, Brown got a, got away with one. Brown got away with one later mm-hmm. on in the game, which was yep. dumb. I think the ruling there was that it didn't have a chance of going in. But I mean, that was that was. I, I, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Brown, but like in the replay, you're like, there was no way that was going in, Jalen. You know. Uh, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah. But like that, the fact that that call. Uh, that the refs got that call wrong and just so insistent on, or that they capitulated to to LeBron. Um, that's the type of stuff where it's where it's it's like it's like in the castle. Some things in life, it's not clear. It's a bit iffy, but some things are as clear as day, you know. And and able to be like you know foul calls, block you know bang bang block charge calls like that's pretty hard to do, pretty hard to get right. But those sure. goaltending calls are generally pretty clear cut, you know, and it drives me crazy that refs don't approach it with humility. Like, call the goal team and then have, then review it, you know? Like, there will normally be sufficient evidence to overturn a bad goal and call, you know? The, the, mm-hmm. the, the situation where LeBron blo- uh, got blocked by Giannis in the All-Star game is, like, so rare. Like, it just never happens, you know? Um, 
Yeah. The uh, just on the t- uh, the brown one where it went out of bounds, I think the rule there might be that the ref is considered part of the floor. So if mm. he made contact oh, okay. with the ref at the time that he was controlling the ball, he's considered out. That's just a crap rule. <laughs> Technically, yeah. still the fault of the referee. You know, like I would, get I would, out of the way. Would, <laughs> you would never see that enforced against Steph Curry or you know a certain ex superstar in there. Maybe Tatum one day, but I just I feel that's one of those calls that they would just like not do if LeBron accidentally like touched you know Tony Brothers' shoulder as he's fucking flailing up the court. Totally. I, just don't, I, I get the I feeling it's it. one of those things where the guy actually called it out because he thought Jalen Brown had gone out. And then just yeah. maybe happily, mm. he happened to be touching him at the same time as he got, you know, got rid of the ball to Tatum. Um, but yeah. I don't want to complain too much about it. But the, just the arrogance of of some refs—they're such loathsome characters, you know. Like they just look like pricks in real life, eh? <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? I think like, they, yeah. I think they play wrestling uh, heels too. I think they lean into the bad guy a bit because. You know, you can't pretend to be likable, unfortunately. Appreciate no. them. Appreciate the job they do. But, like, I reckon they play up, like, the whole, you know, all the calls are so, like, dramatic and, like, you know, they're a pantomime villain to a degree sometimes. <laughs> they just pick on the wrong people, man. Just the, the idea that at the peak of this game that had been back and forth between these two long-standing rivals, it was an amazing game. And I think regardless of the result on either side, fans everywhere are walking away with, with that conclusion that at this, this peak of the game, the pinnacle, the referees are the main focus of the final minute of this game. And to me, that is just uh, an inherent flaw with the NBA and how it's refereed. And I think you've got to make these calls when they're obvious, but you've also got to let the game be played by all of, you know, for the the benefit of all of these people that are tuning in at, at the, the dying moment, the key moment of the game. And that was kind of what I think ruined it for me a little bit. If we won, probably a completely different narrative, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. But um, it's a pretty frustrating way to walk away from Can I go one. on a little sidebar here, guys? A little but, yeah, parenthetical discussion. Um. I just think this replay thing is so easy to fix. Just make yeah. there no replay except for one coach's challenge per game. Solved. They're, they're, just make the refs call it as they see it on the spot. So, for instance, the AD thing, they would have called it out off Brown. If, Jay, if, if Stevens is you know hot enough on that call, he'll, he'll ask to review it. But the rest of the game, there's only going to be a max of two reviews a game. Right? I'm fine with that, man. Like... And as a result, you probably, if it's a close game, you're probably going to keep hold of your challenge until that very end, right? Mm-hmm. So it just, it, to me, just smooths up the whole game. And you're not going to get, like, these endless reviews, man. Like, you, you're going to get two tops per game. And mm-hmm. coaches, it's on you to be judicious with your use of it. To me, that is problem solved. And we'll just get on with the game the rest of the time. The refs will make mistakes. They'll go one way or the other. Save your challenge till it really counts. That would be nice. I, th- I think. What the, I think realistically, it's just going to be like some like Terminator style like Skynet AI eventually. <laughs> that's going to be like you know like Hawkeye for tennis. How it can just tell if the ball hits mm. like right on the court, like the the line up to like the millimeter. There's yeah. got to be some advanced, sophisticated version of that that's just going to go like all up in every single zone, and it'll know as soon as it hits someone's fingerprints you know fingerprints basically and they'll get a buzz on their on their wrist and it'll say this way or that way and they'll just it'll negate video because the more i think about it, it's just like the video technology itself is just not suited for the level of officiating that you need at top level um professional sports but um you know that's different discussion different tangent i think it'll just i think that's probably what it'll evolve into it'll just be more sophisticated technology that negates replays I mean, maybe hopefully. but like basketball is orders of magnitude 
more complex than tennis. For one thing, you've got you've got you know five times the people out there, and for another, mm-hmm. those players, those people can be anywhere at any time. Whereas in tennis, you know, they can only be on either side of the net. That that said, I mean, who? Yeah. who sorry, just sorry, just a caveat, just to, as it relates to like out of bounds plays or like you know on shit that happens on the line. Sorry. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I'd still say yeah. I'd still make the same point, which is that you know um, you've got to identify which player. Whereas tennis, there's only one ball, for example. That, that all that to say, it doesn't really matter. Like the the it means that it just might be a long way away. I, I think we've all seen technology change enough to know that it's dumb to say this will never happen, you know. And yay, verily it does. Um, hashtag Yang Gang. But um, <laughs> but anyway, what we we're talking about is the cricket right? rule. We're just talking about cricket. Just bring the cricket rule to the NBA. <clears throat> Which rule specifically? Well, the are you challenge. Talking about you a, know, a the, snicko, snicko for the snicko. backboard. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Sorry. It's the scrotometer just attaches to the player. I'll get a clip. <laughs> Scrotum with his rash, rash detecting sensors. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very sweaty down there. <laughs> <laughs> no one listening has any idea what we're talking about. And we, I'm, with uh, you, I'm with you, US listeners. I'm just over we did here a pretty <laughs> poor recitation of the actual lines <laughs> in in that particular bit. But anyway, but it's the yeah no, it's the cricket umpire challenge review. You know, um, although they of course they have the third you know for all sorts of things. But yeah, so a, a fourth umpire, uh, a fourth referee, if you will, to keep it strictly basketball terms, that sits over at the scorer's table and it has all the same tools and technology that the guys back in Sokorkas have. They But they're there in the arena, so they've got more of a feel for the game. And when they need to throw to the replay center, they just throw to this guy who's there, who's watching the game. And by the time the referees walk over to the scorer's table, they've got a conclusion. Yeah, they can talk about it quickly. And, and the guy with access to the replay, the slow motion, the backboard snicker, the infrared, who touched it first, all of that sort of stuff. He's already made up his mind because the technology is accurate and it's done it for him. Um, like to me like yes if something is clearly wrong and the referees aren't going to get it 100 of the time coaches players whatever should be able to challenge it but the referees as a team with the technology available to them should be able to come to a conclusion more quickly and more promptly and i, I feel like that's not too far away from achievable well Just my, my issue with that is I, it still takes it's sorry jackson it still takes time to review video and you know if, if it can be reviewed ad nauseum it will be like if we can watch multiple angles over and over again to to reach a decision like that's what will happen you know eventually on these calls so when the refs are consulting it'll still slow the game up i'm more interested in speed of the game and accuracy of calls that are particularly material so Mm. so the quickest way to get it like to get the calls is if there's no access to video right the refs just have to put their heads together and say what do you think happened i don't know i look like i was out off red (laughs) you know and and that's the quickest way to do it and those calls don't necessarily matter too much um Mm -hmm. during you know during the course of the game it's when it gets right at the end it really matters so yeah. yeah um but hey look if technology improves to the point where they can just do stuff on video really quickly. Great. Be accurate calls on the minute in real time. The, the, only, the only flip side I would say to all this is there is probably a side where the referees are mandated to take as long as possible because it means they can insert another ad break into a broadcast. <laughs> now, they might not do that during James 7 of the finals, but they would do it for every other single you know broadcast game that there is, and that equals money. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element of like, yeah, just take your time. We'll, we'll throw in a, you know five more ads. <laughs> Probably. The coach's challenge brought to you by Sprite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
uh, Mountain Dew. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Two, two takes on the refereeing from members of the Celtics Reddit community. User Hail Kyrie writes, two terrible out-of-bounds calls down the stretch cost us the game, and that take on Brad Stevens was dog shit too. We win this by 10 plus oh, with Kemba. And other side of the coin, user I'm Intellects writes, can say what you will about the refs, but our offense outside of Tatum and Tice was trash until Brown stepped up in the fourth. Howard, ma- Howard, Hayward making multiple terrible passes late in the fourth didn't help either. Oh. Team really needed Kemba tonight. Interesting. His passing but, was yeah. not crisp. He was quoted before the game as saying, oh, 12.30 p.m. game, which was the time in LA. Like, that's, that's in my bag as a father, you know, like you know, hashtag girl dad or whatever. That's his, his time where he's, he's humming <laughs> along, you know, it's the middle of the day. It's before the, the kids need to be put to bed. He's in his, he's in his element and yet um, didn't translate, didn't translate to the court. I don't know what it is, but um, it's very I unfortunate. Do- I doubt his daughter's, I doubt his daughters post him up, you know, with much ferocity. <laughs> That's true. Maybe often. they should. Maybe he, he yeah. I don't think he was, was quite ready. He was quite in his mental mm-hmm. zone yet. Well, he just talked a big game, talked a big game, didn't back it up. Hey, disappointed. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the rest of the team very quickly, and then we're going to circle back and, and do some more Tatum talk. The rest of the team, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Tatum recently coming back from the Clippers game right before the All Star break. We know that he's making this ascent. We know that he's you know becoming this so called superstar. How are you guys feeling about the rest of the team falling into place around that? I'm. Unfortunately, in this game, we didn't see the best showing from Brown and Hayward. We didn't see any of Kemba. Tice is looking quite good. Cantor managed to fall to a minus six in only five minutes of play. And Grant and Romeo played like rookies because they are. How are you feeling about the supporting cast? Tatum being the um, the lead actor, if you will, uh, heading down the sort of the stretch run of the season and heading into the playoffs. I still think Kemba's probably like the 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 leader type, the dad type, in the same way that Horford was. But obviously, there has been like a paradigm shift when it comes to like who is our best player, who is our go-to guy, and that's Tatum now. Now, I would temper this by saying, you know, this outstanding form that he's been in—it's only been happening for a month. Um, so I I would like to see you know how it goes out into the rest of the season, and then obviously into the playoffs. But we're not talking about Tatum; we're talking about the rest of the team. I think. You know, you look at how the Bucks do it. Now, obviously, they play different to us. You know, as Giannis in the middle, put it out to shooters, money. Um, that's not exactly us. I think, though, the way that we've been playing basketball under Brad Stevens, not just, you know, the last couple seasons with this core of players, but, you know, throughout his entire tenure, it's been very team-focused. So I never feel like we're in trouble when we got one key guy out, you know what I mean? Or even two. It's when we got multiple and lots of guys out when we start to suffer. So I think the system is designed to, like, be... to have that sort of cohesiveness and that unity. So now that we're seeing someone can emerge from it and be like that, you know, potential potential superstar, you know, he's definitely showing us signs of it. Um, I think the rest of the supporting cast is right exactly where it needs to be. Um, could criticize, you know, every player, you know, at, you know, at length, probably fairly or unfairly. But, you know, given how we're constructed now, um, I think what the future holds in the next two or three years, whatever the team looks like, but I think the core is well set up and well positioned to, you know, just well positioned, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean... <clears throat> the, you guys hear that the old adage about I think the old adage that Pat Riley apparently says says this he says like in the playoffs right you uh, you play eight and trust seven something like that mm-hmm. and I look at it mm-hmm. like that and I'm like yeah well you know do we have seven guys we trust yep starting five plus smart plus 
I trust Williams. I totally trust Williams. Um, and Kenta's, it's like, <laughs> this annoys me. It's like, we know, we, we throw Kenta out just to prove that it's not going to work from this game, and then we put Williams in. Yeah, <laughs> right? We've done yeah. that a few times. We did it against the Rockets it's recently. Like, it's, it's I reckon Joe's been on the phone to Brad's. Oh. <laughs> He's just not featuring at all anymore. Uh, I just, I, I don't trust Kenta at all. Not no. a bit. Yeah, that's becoming clearer. But, I'm coming yeah, around I mean, to that too, yeah. Uh, look, it would be really nice. Like, we, we obviously, you know, there's points in the game where our um, where we have holes. But in the playoffs, like, the top dudes, they just play 40 minutes a game, you know? And and you're just not going to notice it as the, the gap as much. Um, I'm not so concerned about depth, really, um, if that's the question. Um, I think, well... This we kind of veering into a separate Hayward conversation, but like for me, I I I look at it like there's certain players that are reality benders, you know. Certain players just bend reality for their teams, and it's so noticeable in the playoffs because like you're terrified, and and you know like LeBron is a reality bending player, Giannis is just bends reality. It's like how can we stop this guy? Kawhi is one of them. Um, if Tatum's one of those, then we're a contender. If he's not one of those, then um then ah, we're, we're not. And he looks a hang of a lot closer to being that than, than he was, you know, two yeah. months ago. Well, let, let's stop yeah. that for a second and we'll open the floodgates because I feel like we're sort of, there's this um, desire to just talk openly about Tatum and I've kind of <laughs> held us back a little bit up until this point, but that, that's kind of the, the key subject of just very quickly on the okay. Lakers game before we move forward. User Jason Batum says, amazing game. We get this win nine out of 10 times. I love this team. Jason Tatum is a superstar and segues perfectly into the Jason Tatum discussion. And that is that superstar. The term superstar has been thrown around a lot lately for Jason Tatum. Are you guys on that train at all? You mentioned a second ago, Jackson, like it is a relatively small sample size and yet it's been a very spicy and enjoyable and like very fun uh, sample size so far. He is making this ascent. But is it enough to to declare him some sort of superstar, or do we do we not know enough about him yet? Still, no, no, I'm not doing it yet. Like, I'm I'm biased. Like, I I only own one Celtics jersey, and it's Jason Tatum. <laughs> nice, I'm wearing it right Good now. Good taste. <laughs> um, I bought it in his rookie season. Um, and no one has ever like said oh, Tatum or Celtics or anything like that until a couple days ago at the shops and someone said oh man I saw him against Clippers it was amazing yeah. that to me says more about his superstar status than anything else as someone actually was like oh Tatum like, it wasn't a, th- wasn't a thing a year ago um, but anyway no look I think it is a small sample size and I don't think we should be getting carried away yet however um, it, it's undoubtedly super exciting because we are getting a glimpse of what it could be you know night in night out or you know even to a higher you know degree uh, than this but um, um, you know, he's got to develop aspects of his game still. But I mean, you know, it, it's I, I wanted to see something like this, you know, sooner or later to like really believe he could go somewhere. So I, I'm, it's trending up. Like I'm definitely on board with it. But, you know, I don't want to get carried away just yet. Let's let's see what the playoffs hold, basically. Well, I think what we're seeing is real. Like small sample size is one of those things that matters when you're seeing something that you didn't expect to see. So if he was averaging 40 a game right now, I'd be like, you know, over the last ten games, we're like, ah, oh, you know, this is probably isn't going to cool off. I don't expect, I don't, I don't think he's that guy, but I expect him to get to the level that he is currently. So I, I, I don't look at what we're seeing now as a small sample size, you know, because it's it's, it's kind of 
it's like the eye the eye test backs up the analytics for me the mm-hmm. question is like where who, who is he like long term is he kind of on like the pierce paul george level you know i think it might have compared to like jimmy butler level i think you know he's sort of maybe pushing himself he's just a better shot creator and better shooter um or does he sort of push up into that next level like the real all-time greats you know um once you're up into the Durant level, and and I I don't think he's Durant, but I'm feeling pretty comfortable that he's like a Pierce Paul George level player. Yeah, we've we've had that discussion on the pod before about how he he probably fits more in that that Paul George Paul Pierce tier, and not the the Durant tier. Has that changed even a little bit? Like, have you at least reopened yourself to the idea that he might sit between those tiers or be closer to the Durant tier? He feels like a better offensive player than Paul George. Because to me, Paul George isn't, like, quite on that level as a shooter. And, you know, I I haven't looked at his numbers. And he's a better – he's a more impactful defender than than Pierce ever was, for sure. Um, And he's certainly got the physical tools that Pierce didn't have just in terms of his stature and – wingspan so yeah maybe maybe he is just sort of in between there um but that's yeah to me that's closer to the truth than saying he's going to be the next kevin durant you know you're still really good yeah yeah i would never see him being like you know kevin durant level you'd say poor man's kevin durant which sounds like you know really detrimental and condescending but it's actually you know probably good (laughs) enough to be an mvp um so um yeah i I don't know i mean i would love to see like him as like an upgraded version of paul george with like better offense like that would be that would suit me just fine but i mean you know based on what we've seen you know and what we've seen of his development you're quite right and there's like he's had these like superstar like you know hints you know his whole career the dunk on lebron you know in the um in his first season um now we've seen him just do it against you know Paul Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, just got a week ago and then, you know, didn't win the game, but against the Lakers as well. So, you know, he's, he, yeah. Yeah. It's the serial complaining to the referees as well. Another <laughs> a huge indicator of, an, of a superstar. So mm-hmm. um, look forward to more of that. Yeah. It, it does feel, you know, like we've been reading the, the book of Tatum and like suddenly we've got to like flip back a few pages and, and like reread some of it. It's like, hang on. We actually know everything there is to know about this guy. I think we drew a lot of conclusions after all of last season and then the beginning of this season where he was quite inconsistent, particularly around the rim. And like suddenly it's like, whoa, hold the phone, record scratch. Let's dial it back a little bit and and reassess. And suddenly he's piecing together game after game after game, you know, with the exception of the Rockets game recently, who we'll see again soon. And it will be interesting to see how he responds to that second time round. Like he's really putting together this nice body of work. That's really exciting. Um, And outside of the vacuum of this season and just how it's fun to see our team be successful and how young guys we've drafted to be successful, the ascent of a you know, potential superstar from a, a young 19-year-old that we've drafted into this person who's now getting like ridiculous, you know, international attention. Like you talked about your jersey being called out at the supermarket the other day, Jackson. My uh, my wife is a high school teacher and she teaches at a boys' school and they're bandwagon fans as young teenage boys are. And they're always going on about, you know, first it was the Heatles and then it was the, the Warriors and this year, the Lakers. And like lately they've been like, how about that Jason Tatum, man? And she's like, hell yeah, I'm a huge Tatum fan. <laughs> so 
I guess my point is there is, you know, I've been following, I've been a Celtics fan since the 90s. And yes, that started with mostly basketball cards. And like we've talked about the end card encyclopedia highlights. And um, then it sort of became like Yahoo Sports, like grainy 320p highlights. And, and eventually, but not really until like sort of 2008, 2009, League Pass in HD. And it sort of progressed from there. So... I guess what I'm saying is I, I don't ever consciously remember this kind of ascent from any young Celtics player. Obviously, there have been some, but for the most part, as I've been consciously observing the NBA as a whole, I feel like I've uh, enviously been watching other teams draft these superstars and, and watch them you know, come up and eventually go to the All-Star game and maybe make an All-NBA team or three. And now we're finally getting our version of that. Like We finally get to enjoy like the fruits of of Trader Danny's labor or something like that. Do you, do you know what? I, are you with me here? Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like we're finally getting mm. our piece of that cake and it's so satisfying and rich and juicy. <laughs> what well, Pierce is <laughs> the close. Pierce is the rich, juicy Tatum. <laughs> rich, juicy Tatum. Pierce is the, um, Pierce is the closest analog. Like I do remember his mm. third season, which is kind of when I really became a Celtics fan. It was right. All, all through that. Yeah. But since I've been a really active, super active Celtics fan, um, Al Jefferson, we were really oh, yeah. excited about Al Jefferson, but he was kind of always a stage behind. So he was a bench player in his first year and his and his second year, and he got injured in his second year from memory. And then his third year, which is the year that he um, we eventually traded him for Garnett at the end of, he he really broke out. He averaged like sixteen and ten. And back in that universe, like we were really excited about Al Jefferson, and we were gutted to trade him for Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Like <laughs> that, I remember, like the you know. It's it's so funny looking back, but if you were to go back and look at some real GM forums or something from back then, there would have been like some definite hand wringing over giving up Al Jefferson in that trade. Yeah, right. Interesting. Mm. I mean, uh, allow me to ask the question in a different way. Uh, aside from Shami Ojale, have you ever been this excited about a Celtics prospect? <laughs> <laughs> well, than Sammy, shit. Um, no, I just it's like. Being a relatively new fan, this would be the first time I get to see, you know, a superstar develop, you know, from within our ranks. So, you know, that's very special, I guess. It's half the reason I bought the jerseys because I like deep, deep down, I was like, you know, yeah, he'll be the guy one day. You know, I didn't know that, but now he is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is this is all new for me. I'm on I'm, I'm on the uh, I'm on the ride and I'm, you know, I'm all in. Um, I love it. No, it is. It is. It is really like Al Jefferson is the closest analogy that I have, but he's not. He's not actually in the same, quite in the same ballpark. Like Tatum is, is quite clearly like. I was to me the Clippers game was actually a bit more exciting though because he like sure. took it to Kawhi. He took it to him, man. Um, and I on think it ends. really bodes well that he's doing it on such a big stage. Um, he's not having forty against like the Hornets, you know. He's having forty against. <laughs> Yeah, it's the LA His team. career high was 41 against the Hornets. <laughs> Pelicans. 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 Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I look like a dickhead. Sorry. No, they're in a similar tier, although maybe not for long. Yeah, yeah we, haven't, we haven't done a podcast in a while uh, since before that Clippers game. And this whole thing, it feels like because of Tatum doing it on that stage, has kind of blossomed since that last podcast. Maybe we should take longer breaks and allow Tatum to <laughs> to grow in between those those podcasts. But but seriously we won't hold another won't hold another pod to his got a ring right, yeah 
see you yeah. in season see you in July. July. <laughs> uh, it's just exciting. I'm so excited. Um, I'm obviously not bringing anything new to the table here. I just um, am very thankful that we kind of get our turn, I guess is my, my overall point here. Our turn of, of cultivating this young superstar and watching them grow into someone that performs on a, on a national or international scale like that. I, I feel like it's the first instance of that that we all sort of get to enjoy, at least in this in this modern era. So very appreciative of that. Any final Tatum takes before we move on, guys? Yeah, I got one. Um, after the game, he like he looked gutted. Yeah, you know, like when he was hugging LeBron, it almost felt like, you know, how when players hug after the playoff series is over, and you know they kind of let their guard down a little bit. Like it, like it looked like he was like gutted, like he would be at the end of a end of a playoff series, a tough playoff series where he'd lost. Um, and I, I just think that's <clears throat> illustrative, hopefully, of a, of a real competitive spirit. So um, so that was pretty cool. Would you be worried if LeBron was a little bit younger, maybe like around the Cavs era, he'd be like trying to recruit him? Cause I'm not because he's just old. Like, I just don't think he's got enough time to like play that long game. Like, it's just not going to happen. But if he was younger, I think I might be a little bit worried. Well, Tatum's going to be a restricted free agent, and we're going to offer him the max. So oh, yeah. unless he's going to take yeah. the qualifying offer, it's not going to be for a while. It's yeah. not not really that much of a worry. So to, to to cap off the Tatum thing, Reddit user King of Pants made uh, a pretty fun, informative post that if you're into this whole Tatum thing, which if you're listening, I'm sure you are, I recommend reading. The, the post is titled, Why Danny Drafted Jason Tatum. And King of Pants writes, I saw a post, links to that post, asking how Danny Ainge knew to draft Tatum, and there was quite a bit of uncertainty and misinformation going around. I remembered I made a comment a while back which might help clear some stuff up, so I went at it and dug it up. I'm not going to read the whole post, but to summarize it very quickly, he starts by saying the Celtics had watched Jason Tatum for years, and it sort of goes back to talk about how Bradley Beal brought Jason Tatum into a Drew Hamlin workout when Tatum was still in high school, and Tatum got absolutely owned uh, during that first workout. Uh, and then showed up the next day and, and took it to these NBA guys at such a young age and that Ainge and co were sort of aware of these movements um, at the time. And then getting closer to the draft, initially it didn't seem like Tatum was going to be a top pick and the Celtics, if you remember, had the number one pick before they traded it away to Philly uh, for what ended up being, as we all know now, a much better package. One of the things that I remember definitely thinking at the time was I was like, sheesh. Like Fultz, it's it's people forget now, but people forget how consensus a number one pick he was. Mm-hmm. Like he was a consensus number one pick, man. Like like with daylight, you know. And it was just fate complete that would pick him. And he had the he had the he was a husky like Isaiah Thomas, um, and um, it just looked like it was going to happen. And I remember when he traded away, I was like, man, like forget the extra Philly pick, which I want to talk about, but. Like, if Tatum's not a better player than Fultz, this trade's a, a loss, you know? So I was just like, I totally disagree with this move, but Ainge's earned the right to be trusted on that. And um, it's just as well, <laughs> I guess, that Ainge's in charge and not us. Um, but, man, Fultz, like, I remember watching Fultz in Summer League and being like, oh, my gosh, this kid, the way the guy moves is just unreal. Like, it was just... Like, he's beautiful to watch, man. He's effortless. Um, and... I was definitely nervous about the trade at that point. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is like everybody talks about how rough the Celtics have had it because the Kings were good the one year, right, that we had their mm-hmm. pick. And now the Grizzlies are good the one year. It looks like we're going to get their <laughs> pick. Well, another one to add to that is people forget now that the pick that we got in addition to Jason Tatum was, can you remember? It was, it was a, a pick that was 
top five protected and and like it was reverse protected as well so it was protected outside of picks five to ten from the lakers might have been four to nine or something like that and that was the one year that the lakers were actually relatively good and they wound up being like the tenth. yeah right they wound up being like 10th <laughs> so we've actually lost out like three years in a row like if we had if we had have been like i don't know like the number six pick something that year you know um in the 18 draft like we're looking at you know gilgis alexander um you know i mean they drafted mikhail bridges like there was a lot of good players you know in that in that in that draft eh? um and we've actually missed out three years in a row i would say so you're saying we're even unluckier than most pundits have already said yeah yeah (laughs) it's three years in a row like the lakers the one year the lakers didn't like crap the bed they went on this win streak with Walton. I remember they they were kind of crap, and then they went on a little bit of a win streak, and like, oh hey, they might be all right. Well, they weren't all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you, you're right about the yeah. the hype on Fultz though. Like I I even remember from a personal level, like digesting all of the college highlights around Marco Fultz, and it just looked like he could make pull up and make any contested shot like possible. Uh, and he was just a weapon from the perimeter and and getting to the hoop. And it's, it's interesting you bring up that trade, like bringing it back to this this post by King of Pants. Um, it, it references the trade and, and how that came to be. But more importantly, and this is this is the point, um, how it came to be that Danny Age felt comfortable making that trade, and how ultimately that would um, produce the the right outcome for the Celtics and how he felt comfortable that Tatum would fall to number three and that ultimately, aside from unfortunately the Kings pick not working out necessarily, that Tatum would fall into the hands of of the Celtics and how we got to where we are today. So given this moment of time and and where we are with Jason Tatum and this ascent and this this national hype around him, I recommend checking that trade out because it's it's, uh, factually accurate and it's it's well put together. So thanks for King of Pants for that one. Mm. He's the, he's going to be the spiritual number one pick, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, in the same way that Ben, in the in the opposite way that Ben Simmons was the rookie of the year, you know, in that year, it's just we all know he's the number one pick. There was the consent there; it was just meant to be. So, yeah. totally, that's just my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the upcoming schedule for the Celtics very quickly. And if you like Celtics games, some good news for you here because that's a very condensed period of Celtics games over the next three or four days. Trailblazers tomorrow, no Damian Lillard, no Kemba Walker due to the um, increasingly concerning knee injury situation. And then we've got the Jazz the following day. How are you guys feeling about this upcoming schedule given the the questionableness of Kemba Walker. Um, and I, I guess that the fact that the jazz have been wavering a little bit. And of course the rockets coming up on, on Saturday. It's two tough games, man. Um, I think even without Lillard, like th- that could be a bit of a trap. I think like McCollum is probably due to go for like 50. I think he went for like 41 the other day, but I still think we should learn that comfortably. The fact that we're playing the jazz on a back to back makes me err a little mm-hmm. bit because they have been a bit uh, shaky and whatnot. And um, I was just playing around with them. Um, PER stats the other day, which I know are flawed, but like I discovered that uh, Enos Cantor has a, is uh, one place higher than Rudy Gobert in uh, player efficiency rating. So um, if that's not a sign that we'll uh, smack the Jazz around, then I don't know what is. <laughs> Start um, Cantor. <laughs> I, yeah, man. Uh, I think we'll, I think we'll go two and zero. I hope we go two and zero. Hopefully, Kemba comes back for maybe that Jazz game. But um, no, I, I'm, I, I like our chances. Yeah, I don't know that Enos the penis is going to be the big difference maker here, guys. <laughs> um, this, this, it feels a lot to me like, do you remember the road trip in 2018 uh, where Marcus Morris had a big buzzer beater, against, he had a huge shot against Portland, and then Jalen mm-hmm. Brown hit 
uh, hit the game winner against Utah. Mm. Yes. And yes. Kyrie would have been out at that point. This reminds me a lot of that trip. With um, Kemba being out and whatnot. Kemba being out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Irving was out at that point of the season. Yeah. The Celtics really kind it of like, got there. Right. just after he got yeah, ruled but out. Things got really yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. We probably actually podcasted through that. Yeah. Probably somewhere back in the archives. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so... Um, I it just it's just very reminiscent, so I'm I'm quite optimistic, and maybe that's that's probably silly, you know. It's not a very it's not a very rational take, you know. They're two different years, but it just feels feels similar to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about this little stretch, and hopefully we can keep some of that momentum. It was a narrow loss to the Lakers, and Tatum's on fire, so looking forward to more of that. Back to back Celtics games means back to back days of watching Jaden Tatum just kick ass, and so I'm I'm very up for that. Nice little stretch of home games for the Celtics, and then we're on the road against the Cavs, so we should have a couple of wins in our immediate future i'm looking forward to getting some hopeful revenge against the rockets and as we mentioned earlier seeing how jason tatum responds to um the the lack of size there and how that was kind of troublesome for him the campbell walker injury just before we wrap things up we didn't really touch on that much earlier um looking like it could be a little bit more troublesome a little worse than initially anticipated does it bother you guys at all are you happy to see him sit out for a little bit um or do you think it's going to be more of a a long-term issue I don't like the I don't like the fact that he's injured, um, but I mean, obviously, I think they're erring on the side of precaution. Um, he did play a lot in the All Star game, so I don't think that helped it. You know, thanks, Nick Nurse, you mm-hmm. dickhead. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah I mean, hopefully, this is just precautionary, and yeah, he will, he will come back and you know, just better for the end sure, long run. Yeah. Not super worried for this season, but um, I'm starting to come up with this like rough categorization of players as they're either two contract players or three contract players, or maybe one contract players. <laughs> You know, and um, Kimber's definitely a two-contract player. Like, he definitely was going to earn his second contract. Mm -hmm. He might not turn out to be a three-contract player. Like, his health could be an issue. You know, we don't know. We just don't know. Like, Horford, it turns out, was a three-contract player, but not a four-contract player, maybe. (laughs) Um, It does not seem that way. Most most people aren't four-contract players. And this is something to bear in mind with Hayward as we go into the summer. Like, we, if Hayward opts out, we got to play hardball. we got to play hardball, yep. man. Like, um, we we do not want, like, an albatross contract. We've got to be willing to walk away from it. And But with, with Walker, I sort of think, oh, gee, you know, um, is this guy's body going to hold up? Um, who knows? Um, but he's he's, a, yeah, he's into his third contract. So I'm not too worried for this year, but it does make me think, make, make me think oh, there's a possibility that it may not turn out to be a good contract. Mm. you know in, in two years time yeah i feel like that's really only crossing our minds for the first time since we signed him um but you know i guess on the other side of that i wonder if the benefits chemistry wise maybe that's worth the money in the long term particularly how we've seen guys like tatum and brown sort of flourish as a result maybe it's a coincidence given you know their age but um it does feel like kemba's presence has had something to do with that so in a sense maybe it's a it's a worthy buy contract wise in the end time will tell yeah maybe i'm Maybe I'm overstating the issue because a lot of times, I like I always think like the perfect contract length is like a three year one. Because say you sign a guy to a three year contract, right? Like I remember the Lowry when Lowry resigned with the Raptors. Like you assume that he'll still be good in the year that you sign the contract, right? So then if the next year it, he goes downhill, all right, 
okay, that sucks, but then he's an expiring all of a yeah, sudden. Sure. So in the case of Kimba, mm. in the case of Kimba, um, like I'm still expecting he'll be good next year, you know. And let's say worst case scenario, it turns out that in year three of that contract, it's a bit of an issue. Well, then he's an expiring and we've finally got some bad salary to move around for whichever superstar then becomes available. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kari Evan. <laughs> Put him on the end of the bench. <laughs> 15th man. The yeah. Send him down to the yeah. G League. Rehab that shoulder. Bring that number 11 out of retirement. <laughs> okay, would you guys trade, like, would you guys trade Tatum plus Walker for Giannis? Uh, no. I mean, you kind of, surely yes, but I, I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night. Like, I love Tatum more than I should as someone who's yeah. much older than him. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm very, I've grown emotionally attached to Tatum, so I'm probably not the authority on, uh, on that. What do you, what do you think, Joe? Um... I, I I don't know. I think yeah, I, it's tough. My, <clears throat> the thing about Giannis is he's not bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Like Kawhi is bulletproof. Kawhi is a bulletproof player. LeBron Literally. is a bulletproof. <laughs> like player. the Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, whereas Giannis, like that Philly game, that that sort of still sticks with me. Like man, they got into his head in that Christmas Day game against Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know he's a little he's so effective. But there's still this big hole in his game, and he can be taken like he can be taken out of the game. Like in the All Star game, he was silent, mm. like offensively, he was totally, totally disappeared. So it sort of makes me it's it's a little harder for me to like. I would probably do that in a vacuum for Kawhi, um, you know, like all like contract lengths and all the rest of it yep. being equal. Like I think that would make us a better team. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's not on the table, right? But it's just an interesting thought experiment to <laughs> say, God. okay, where do we actually, where do we actually see Tatum? Like, at what level do we actually see him? And so, for me, that kind of illustrates that, like, we don't actually think he's going to be as good as Kawhi at his peak. You know, that we would do that. The fun, yeah, the fun for me is we still don't know. Yeah, That's what I'm totally. And we, the rom- and- I'm holding on the romance and the bias of it at all. But yeah, I wouldn't do it. I mean, it would be, it would work. I think Brad Stevens would make a fucking an enormous beast of a team, much like the Bucks are now. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I still wouldn't do it. Maybe I need a better way to phrase the question. But um, you know, because it's not, it's 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 a to- it's because when it's such a hypothetical, like it, you know, it's not on the table. And and I'm I'm with you. Like there is a value in getting to grow, like watching a player grow. It's actually really awesome mm-hmm. and quite. You know, quite rare. You know, um, it's it's a privilege that we're probably going to be we're going to get as Celtics fans that most fan bases don't get. Like, we're not actually worried about him walking. No, you know, not for a, a at long the end while. of his third contract. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Not even at the end of his third contract. I'm not like you know, um, you know, it could could still happen. But it's a pretty cool thing for us. Like, there's a chance that he could play for us for life. Yeah, it's very exciting. As to Hopefully. where we see Tatum at the moment, I see him in my heart every time I close my eyes at night. <laughs> He's very, very firmly on my mind, uh, probably uh, to an unhealthy level at the moment. So um, it's very, very exciting, if you can't tell, from from my perspective to, to be a Celtics fan and watch these games uh, day in, day out. I'm just, I'm so stoked on Jason Tatum. Tatum eclipse of the heart. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, Please subscribe to and rate the podcast, share it with other like-minded Celtics-loving legends, and go follow us on Twitter at Celtic Reddit Pod. Jackson, Joe, love your work, guys. Thanks again.
Give Love be- your work, Ben. Give Ben's Cheers, tweets guys. some likes. He's, he's real. His Twitter game's real solid. I think I think he doesn't get enough attention. Yeah, you had, a, you had a doozy the other day, didn't you? With some Tatum stat. We're plus one in Jason Tatum's. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I uh, just so you know, in our group chat, I often copy and paste things that you guys say and tweet them out because it's uh, it's on brand. You guys are saying it. It's out of the mouth of the Celtics Reddit podcast. Therefore, it's out of the mouth of the Twitter account as well. Our 12 or so followers know that. They realize how great it is. They're onto a good thing there. <laughs> you guys should be too. Legends. So that's at Celtic Reddit pod. I'm expecting a landslide of followers now as a result. All right. We'll see you guys in a week. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace.